Okay, fabulous. So the second part of this, so we've got shadow. The second part of this is, okay, how can we go and how can we build healthier, stronger relationships? Now, this is the part where we really needed to have watched the invite. It doesn't matter if we haven't. I'll do a really super quick recap. Um, and on the customer hub, we'll put the invite recording so you can watch that and we'll pop them in the Facebook group either this evening or later on. So you've got that all together. Um, and as part of the School of IH membership, if you want them like as soon as we finish, if you go onto your customer hub, you'll see the invite and you can watch them there. Okay. So um, that's the kind of context to this next workshop. I'm excited for this next workshop because we're kind of like, like I said, we're in the sea of the shadows. We've gone through all of the things. We're owning our shadows. We're seeing these parts in ourselves. And now we're coming to like, okay, how can I, how can I change things? How can I start to transform things? And we've started to see that in that we have to own qualities within ourselves, and that our triggers are the pathway to wholeness. I want to remind you guys, if you want to do more on shadow work and you're a school of IH member, we've got loads more trainings on shadow work. They're going to be streamed into the Facebook group next month. But if you want them now, you can ask Tam and she'll locate them for you. So you can watch them if you'd like to go into shadow work more. We have a guide. We have like, we did shadow week last year and we've got all the recordings from Shadow Week. So you can really, really enjoy that as well. Well, I say enjoy. I'm not sure anyone enjoys shadow work, but it's very, very healing and it's very, very powerful. Okay, let's get into building strong relationships. So how I've really put it into two categories, right? How do we build strong relationships in business? So the first thing to understand is that for healthy business relationships, we need to be aware of projection. Like we just have to be aware of projection. We have to be aware of our triggers, right? We have to be aware of that our triggers are telling us something about us and that it's taking things home in that, that we get to learn and grow and become more of who we are. And so yesterday we looked at triggers in one way, which is kind of more of the mental way, which is like, is a story that I'm telling myself not serving me right now? And then we can take judgment to new truths right? Now we know we can also ask ourselves, you know, if I'm getting triggered, is it because that the person owns a quality that I don't want to own in myself yet? Or are they showing me a desire that I have that's unconscious, a yearning that I have that I'm not aware of, right? And so part of healthy relationships is really being able to take responsibility for the stories that we tell ourselves in our mind, the qualities that we don't own in ourselves and use them as an opportunity to become more whole and more aware of our desires. The laws of projection, and I want to put this here, and you guys can print this, and you guys, as always, will get the slides. Everything that annoys me, irritates me, or that I want to change about other people is actually within me. If I want to change it in another, it's really me who should change. Everything that others judge and criticizes in me that hurts most is repressed in me and it's my job to heal it or own it, okay? If someone judges you and criticizes you and it hurts, there is a shadow quality. Three, everything that others judge and criticize in me that does not affect me belongs to them and it's their projection. That's how the whole thing with the blackmail didn't really hurt me. 
that's how I knew it wasn't mine. It's like, okay, this person is having this drama. Please continue. It does not threaten me. And then the final one is everything I like and love in another is also within myself. I recognize my greatness through others. Really important, the fourth one. Come back to these, study these, look at these, print these out, be with these. That's the first one. The second thing that we want to do if we want to have healthy relationships in business is that we need to clean up drama dynamics, right? The drama triangle is not where we want to be living in business, in our relationships personally or in our business relationships. And yet a lot of people are operating in drama triangles all over their life. It's in the awareness that is happening that we can start the pathway to change, right? Like I said, remember, if you don't know what I'm talking about, you can watch the training video that's in the portal and we'll be on the Facebook group. I'm going to quickly go through the three roles. I'm not going to spend much time on it because I have gone through it with you guys before. The three roles in the drama triangles happen externally in our lives and internally in our minds, okay? We've got the victim. I would like you guys to throw in the chat what the victim does. Who is the victim? What is the victim? When you think of the victim, what is the victim? And I want you guys to be aware that it's victim consciousness, rescuer consciousness, perpetrator consciousness, okay? We don't want to create an identity around it and limit ourselves as well. They blame life for everything instead of taking ownership, yes. What else? When we think of the victim, what does the victim do? How does the victim feel? What does the victim be? Why me? Call me. Nothing ever works for me. I can't do it. Life sucks. Anyone else? What is the victim? I'm wondering if I can grab the PowerPoint that I used for the invite. Let's see if it comes up as you guys write that in. Guys, you can't get it wrong. I would love for you guys to throw it in. Anyway. What else does the victim do? Okay. The victim is the precious child. So it's the child that is mollycoddled. Because when a child is mollycoddled, what is the parent's unconscious belief system? They're not safe. They can't do it themselves. I'll do it for them. This is the only way that I know how to love. <laughs> right? The precious child is brought up by the smother mother. And they become the incapable child, the uh, sorry, incapable adult who is needy and they don't think that they can do it alone. 
The dominant emotion of the victim is entitlement. I'm entitled this for this result and I feel sorry for myself. People do this in business. I feel entitled to have all the money and the success and I don't want to build a business, right? Remember that this isn't something negative or criticism that I'm saying around you. I'm just saying this is consciousness that we can fall into. The mantra of the victim is like, I can't help me, pull me, I can't do it. And the physical body movement is like repress, depress, not express, right? I want you guys to think about where the victim shows up for you. And if you want to show that in the chat, beautiful. The perpetrator. Guys, tell me, what is the perpetrator? Who is the perpetrator? How does the perpetrator show up? You can't do anything right. You always, yes. What else? The problem with you is yes. Yes, yes, yes. What else, guys? How else does the perpetrator be? The perpetrator might be new to a few of us here. I'm wondering. What else? What is the perpetrator like? Yep, they deny their weakness. Amazing. Amazing. So the perpetrator is like, do it like this. You're wrong, right? If the victim is like this, and we can tell when we've got into victim mode because we're all like this, the perpetrator is like pushing people away. You're wrong. You're bad. There's tension in the body. It's aggressive. It's violent. This is like the metaphor of the shadow father, right? Making people do what he wants from fear. It's passive aggressive. They're usually children that have felt very weak, right, in their childhood. So they overcompensate in adulthood by being dominant and powerfulness, you know, all of the time. But underneath this is hiding deep shame, right? And so what they do is they shame and blame others because they can't own their own shame, right? The greatest fear is feeling powerful and powerless, right? They're often victims as children, and then they become like the perpetrator as adults, right? It's kind of an er er erroneous way to correct childhood trauma. There's a lot of worthless emotions underneath, right? It's an unhealthy play of power. It's not like I'm powerful and I own my power. It's like I don't actually feel powerful, so I've got to dominate you, right? So I want you guys to be thinking about where does the perpetrator show up for you? And sometimes the perpetrator can show up in our relationships. Like if it wasn't for my partner, I would be this in my business. Or if it wasn't for this person in my team, I'd be doing this in business. Or if it wasn't for my coach, um, da, 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 da. or if it wasn't for my friend that's always like dumping emotionally on me. Um, like, yes, you know, it's, it's really this. Yep. All good, my darling. I understand it's late for you. You can catch, see you on the replay. Ciao. So the perpetrator is really this kind of very dominant, right? Aggressive role. Then we've got the rescuer, right? And the rescuer is usually the person that most of us resonate with. Lots of us resonate with the victim more or the perpetrator more, but the rescuer tends to be very common in these personal development spaces. So it's like, 
let me help you. Don't worry, I've got that. The rescuer is, yeah, only feels good when needed by others. That's the rescuer. Yeah, the rescuer is disconnected to their own feelings, to their own needs, right? They feel a sense of overimportance because they're saving the world, right? They're the smother mother needing to be needed and they get their power from others, right? And so this feels good because you're like, look at all these people I've helped. But actually, it's unsustainable and it leads to burnout because there is an overfocus on others and an underfocus on the self. It's an avoidance of the self because we're always catering for other people's needs. And it usually leads to resentment. Like, I'm always doing things for people and I'm never appreciated. This is like a dominant trademark of the rescuer. It's not owning that they're needing to do all the things for other people because it's what makes them feel wanted and loved, right? We tend to see rescuers in caretaking roles, right? And underneath there's this deep fear of abandonment because it's like, if I don't do this for this person, they won't love me anymore, right? And so I want you to be honest about where this is coming up for you as well in your relationships and you've seen it before. So this is just like a little bit of a quick highlight over all of those dynamics so we can start to understand the rescuer, we understand the victim and we understand the perpetrator, okay? I want you guys to understand that drama dynamics our shadow work like this is shadow work because shadow work is stuff in our unconscious that's all that shadow work means right and so what's this this happens happening in our unconscious we don't consciously think i'm going to be a rescuer we don't consciously think i'm going to be a perpetrator i'm going to be a victim these are just dynamics that we fall into unconsciously right and i talk about this again more in the invite and you can go back and listen to it the session in the invite is called Dancing with Drama. But for today and for this session, it's about building healthy business relationships. So it's about how can I go from these roles to really, really beautiful, healthy relationships where we're no longer playing in the drama triangle. And so what I'm going to talk about and focus on today is how can we go from the drama triangle that is all about drama and codependency and we move to the drama, um, the triangle of empowerment which is all about self-responsibility and empowerment. And this is why I keep banging on about self-responsibility again and again and again and again and again and again and again, right? When we're in blame of others, we are in the drama triangle. When we're in self-responsibility, it's very hard to get us into the drama triangle, right? Even if people around us want to be in those dynamics, we are self-responsible, right? We're not taking responsibility for other people's stuff. We're not easy to manipulate. We're taking all our triggers home. And this is really the work that we want to be doing. And I'm going to tell you what this looks like now, but I want you guys to know is that I've taught a lot already and we're halfway through the three days together. Like this is a lot of information. There is no way that this is not a lot of information. This is a lot of information, guys. Okay. So there is no expectancy that you finish this workshop and then you never fall into the drama triangle again, or you never, you know, project something on someone else again. That is completely unrealistic. And that's not the work, right? That's setting expectations that are so high that you're never, ever going to meet them. The work is awareness of I'm playing victim and going into creator, awareness of I'm being a perpetrator and going into challenger, awareness of I am rescuer and going into coach, okay? The work is always awareness and shift, awareness and shift, awareness and shift. Whatever topic I teach, awareness and reprogram, awareness and reprogram, right? Healing is a journey of expanded awareness, expanded awareness of self. That's all healing is. But after awareness, we need to do the work to change. It's not enough to be aware that you're in victim. It's not enough to be aware that you're having a story that isn't serving you. We then need to follow up with the healing work. 
And so this is what this looks like. And this is what we have to, I, I call this this, I call it like cleaning up, <laughs> cleaning up our beliefs, cleaning up drama dynamics, cleaning up our relationships. It's really this beautiful opportunity to clean stuff up. That's really how we have healthier relationships, right? And so what I want you guys to know is as we step out of the drama triangle and we do our shadow work, right? We're actually choosing to let go of the adrenaline, the momentary lift that we get from rescuing, avoiding our uncomfortable emotions, avoiding pain, right? Avoiding um, feeling our feelings, perfectionism. As we do shadow work, we realize that moral perfectionism is no longer a thing. It's like, fuck, if I'm actually doing shadow work, there's no way that I can project all my stuff on that person on Instagram. I actually have to take it home. So we're giving that up. And why do people want to be perfect morally? It's because they need or they have a desire or they get a good feeling from feeling superior to others. But another law of the universe is there's nothing superior and there's nothing inferior. When we do this work, when we do shadow work, when we do drama triangle work, we've also got to let go of performance in order to be accepted and liked. And that can feel really scary because maybe we've performed our whole life and we've never been loved for who we actually are in the messiness of who we be. When we do this work, we're choosing inner harmony over what we look like to others. This is terrifying. We choose to take every single thing home instead of projection. It doesn't matter if you're falling into the victim, the perpetrator or the rescuer. The solution is allowing yourself to feel. It's coming back to your bodies. It's asking yourself, what do I need? And choosing self-responsibility. Now, if you're someone that falls into the rescuer role, right? It's a journey of actually less responsibility for others. And that's why I really took a very deep dive into responsibility in part one yesterday. Stepping out of the drama triangle is also a journey from our heads to our bodies. And so before I go into this, guys, I would like you to throw in the chat in which of the rescuer, the victim, or the perpetrator do you feel that you resonate most with? We will be all of them. Like, we will be all of them. We will go into all of them always. But there is one that is dominant for us. For me, it was the rescuer. Yeah, Sandra's rescuer. Anyone else? Again, if you don't want me to say it out loud, put it in brackets, private, and I'm the only one that sees it. Rescuer, rescuer. Yeah, what else? And if you don't want to put it in the chat, that's also fine. And you can also put it chat on the chat on the Facebook group, but I obviously don't see the Facebook group. I just see the Zoom. So we've got a lot of rescuers. We usually have a lot of rescuers. And so I'll spend some time on the rescuers. Um, people can be less desirable to own victim or to own perpetrator. So I want to start by, you know, we've just talked about shadow work. The victim and the perpetrator exist in all of us. There is a potential for all in all of us. Okay. <laughs> This is important. How do we go from victim to creator? This is huge. The victim is very much in the poor me. Nothing works for me. I can't do it, right? 
we're talking about business today. So let's apply this to business. I can't build the business. The business hasn't worked for the last year. Therefore, I can't build the business. Pull me, pull me, pull me. Right? In our relationships, it shows up like, I need you to do this for me because I can't do it. The victim gets annoyed if someone doesn't want to do it for them because they feel like, see, you're not playing into my victim role. The victim feels entitled to get help from others, right? Feels entitled to life. Because they grew up in a dynamic where maybe a lot was done for them. Now, we have to understand that in every victim, the journey of healing is the journey to become a creator. Joe Dispenza talks about this. All of Joe Dispenza's work is how do I go from victim of circumstance to creator? It's actually all of the work that we're doing in the School of IH. And a lot of us, if not all of us, I'm going to say 100% of us has felt like a victim in our life before because we're literally told from children that we're powerless. Like, you can't be that or you can't do that. That's too big for you. You know, the famous people are the famous people over there. The rich people are the rich people over there. You can't have that. So all of us will have felt like a victim sometimes because we will have felt that like, it's impossible for us. I can't create that. And so how do we go from victim to creator? We have to start taking responsibility for the self and everything that's happening in our life. And that's why in the school of IH, I have responsibility, 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 responsibility. The victim thinks like a problem solver, right? When we're in victim consciousness, we're like, this is impossible. And we're cast catastrophizing and we're in a pickle. We go into creator by instead of like worrying about the problem, we start to get into the energy of the solution and we practice using a creative manif- um, in imagination. That's all of the manifestation work. To go from victim to creator, we stop complaining about the problem and we start taking action to get to the desired outcomes. This is the most important thing. Stops looking for someone to save you and starts caring for the self. And the reason that I teach this is that sometimes people invest in coaching for the wrong reason. They think that the coaching container will save them. And then they're very, very disappointed when it doesn't. And this is why all of my marketing is like, this is for people that are self-responsible. You've got to apply this. I am not your guru. I am not your savior. I can't save anyone. If people are very much stuck in victim consciousness, that will trigger them and hopefully they won't enter the container because it wouldn't be the right place for them. And if we notice it in ourselves, we then get to say, okay, no one is going to save me. There is no knight in shining armor that's going to come. I'm going to start caring for myself. The creator believes in their own power. They focus on what they want, not what they don't want, right? People that spin in victim consciousness have a tendency unconsciously and consciously to keep creating more struggle and suffering for them. Because the identity piece for the victim is nothing works for me. It's not working for me. This feels good. There's chaos, like blah, 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 blah. So they have to create more. So a big part here is like, can I focus on what I want and less of what I don't? As we go from victim to creator, we're asking questions, right? To empower ourselves. Like, what is here that I can be grateful for right now? 
What is one thing that I can do to feel better today? How can I support myself just for today? A big thing to go from victim to creator is focusing on what's going right in your life right now. And then there's gratitude, reviewing accomplishments often and appreciating the goodness in life. I've written NB here, guys. I've been laughed at by this. Apparently not many people know what NB means. NB is Latin. I had a grammar teacher. I have a grammar teacher as a father. And um, I thought it was normal to put NB. It means note. <laughs> um, if there's a big feeling, right? That doesn't mean that we're in victim consciousness. If we have a big feeling and trauma's coming up, we just need to feel it. And once we feel it, we're able to do this stuff. So I don't want you guys, when you have a big feeling to like, think this is bad, I shouldn't be feeling bad. No, you can feel bad. That's not being a victim. That's having an emotion. That's called being human. Once we can feel what is there, right? Then we can create and go into this. What I want us to know, and I love this, right? When we go from victim to creator, it's really this journey from precious child to well-adjusted child. This person looks at life with a childlike wonder and innocence. They're present in themselves. They know that they can do it. The creator is willing to be vulnerable and seen, right? They accept what they have to work on themselves and they're willing to put energy into their healing. They no longer blame others for their shortcomings, but they're actively stepping towards where they wanna be going. It's a really beautiful transition. It's a really beautiful journey. And this is why you see people like Louise Hay, a lot of her work is like, you can do it. <laughs> it's like programming into people's minds that they can do it, right? And we all fall into victims sometimes, everyone. But so we have to remember when we fall into victim, it's just reminding ourselves that we're actually a creator. We're actually a creator. We're actually a creator. We're actually a creator. We're only in fear and victimhood when we don't trust and believe our power of creating. And so this gets to be a really, really beautiful piece of work. Now, the reason that I'm teaching this, guys, is not so we can feel bad about ourselves. It's so we can identify this in ourselves and change, but not just that, because the final piece is going to be business relationships. And we can't honestly look at business relationships without understanding relationships from the conscious mind and the unconscious mind from shadow and from what meets the eye. So also just be thinking in your head, who in your life falls into this? And when people are victim, for those of you that play into rescuer, if you play into rescuer, the chances are that you attract a lot of victims. So just an awareness of that drama, drama triangle allows you to be able to step out of it. Because know that the rescuer needs the victim because the rescuer needs to feel important. They get good feelings from doing things for others. So they need to attract people that they can do things for. They need to be needed. The victim needs a rescuer because they don't believe in themselves. They think that someone else has to come and do it for them, right? So can you see how this codependency plays out? A lot of our relationship work in business, especially in client coach dynamics, right? Is being aware of these codependent patterns and being able to step into sovereignty, which is what I've talked a lot about for these last two days. But as we go through this, you guys are going to be thinking about all of your relationships, your family relationships, your private relationships, your personal relationships, your love relationships. It's all relevant. 
So be aware of when you see this in yourself and be aware of when you see this in others, because if you see this in others, victim playing out, the question is, am I being a perpetrator or am I being a rescuer? And then again, you take that home and we don't focus on that person as the victim. We focus on how am I matched to that? And how can I step out of this drama triangle, right? Do we feel clear with that so we can move on to rescue and coach? I'm gonna whip through these three. Three. We're gonna have a five minute break and then it's gonna be purely interactive, okay? I know I've taught you a lot today and I know it's been a lot. These workshops will be broken up on the portal so you can easily digest them. An emoji for if this is clear. If you've got any questions, you can throw it in the chat now. Just check the Facebook group. Okay. Are we clear? Dropping an emoji in the chat, please. Just making sure that you're all with me. Amazing. Okay. Rescuer to coach. So what is the rescuer? What is the rescuer about? They're about like needing to seem important. They're saving people. They're fixing other people's problems. And what they're doing when they actually do this is they're robbing other people, right? Of an opportunity to save themselves. They're robbing other people of the opportunity to become a creator. They're robbing the other people of the, the opportunity To heal. So when we go from rescuer to coach, it's about like, I'm supportive, but I don't fix people's problems for them, nor do I take responsibility for other people's problems, right? They help people find solutions to their problems instead of doing it for them. But here's the big piece. They stop saving others and they focus on themselves. The big thing that you hear rescuers say is that I'm so tired, I'm so burnt out because blah, 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 blah. And they blame the other person for them feeling tired and burnt out. And they're not looking at what in me needs to help and save others. What in me is not saying no, what in me is not holding boundaries, right? The rescuer to coach has healthy boundaries around the time that they listen and they support. In all of my audio mentorship containers, guys, there are clear days that I respond. I'm not available all of the time because that's not healthy. I would lose my mind. Now, what I want you guys to know as you journey from rescuer to coach, right? If there are victims in these people's life and there's been a long track of 
you saving them, it's likely that this will cause a stir. It's very common when rescuers stop rescuing that the victims will make them out to be the perpetrator. Oh, you didn't help me. That makes you heartless. Why would you da, da, da? And then that's a really good opportunity for the shadow work. Can I own these things within myself? Right? This is where all the work that we've done till now is so important. It's like other people's stories of me are none of my business. Right? When we go rescuer to coach, we ask empowering questions instead of fixing things for others. But here's the big thing, because the rescuer deep down doesn't believe in the power of the victim. So when we go from rescuer to coach, we have to trust that we can, that other people can solve their own problems. You don't superman in because you know they've got it. You nurture and you don't smother. You focus on your own emotions and you don't avoid them by only being available to others. This is one of the most important ones, especially for those of you guys that want to have a coaching business, that want you to go into healing, that are doing the certification with me. Because we actually aren't healing or helping others by rescuing them. Even though they might like it and we might get a lot of real positive enforcement, like, thank you so much, that was so amazing. Like, Because sometimes if people are victims and they're used to being kind of saved and smothered, they might actually not like it when you coach them. But you have to be able to hold that and not go into rescuer. Because what's actually empowering to people is taking that journey from victim to creator. Not needing you, right? I always say this in the School of IH, the School of IH is an education platform. The School of IH is an education platform. Because I'm not in interested in you guys needing me. I'm interested in you guys becoming so empowered within this space that you know that you've got yourself and you allow yourself to have support because that's just who you be. Yeah, there's no empowerment through the personal growth. So when we go from rescuer to coach, it's about when we can take the analogy of the smother mother, here the mother is finally letting her children grow. She's letting them learn how to meet their own needs. She's empowering and she's nurturing. She's raising empowered, healthy adults, not victims. So when you take a step back, can you see that you're actually benefiting others? When you trust them, when you have faith in them, people feel that and they start meeting their own needs. This is the one of the most important things that we can implement as a coach, as a healer. And, you know, I think about kind of, me and my sister have both become entrepreneurs. And I think about, you know, my childhood, my father was a freelancer. I suppose you can call it as an entrepreneur. My father is a Norwegian crime fiction translator, which is like the weirdest thing ever. So my upbringing was like, find something that you love and make money from it. We never really had any conditioning around like having to do a certain kind of job or go into corporate. I've never done a normal job. Anyway, it was very interesting because my mother was very Spanish culturally and Spanish culture is very smothery sometimes. Um, and English culture is extremely independent. It's kind of two extremes of the pendulum. And so much to my Spanish family's horror, I started working at 15 years old, right? I started working at 15 years old as a cleaning lady. Can you believe that? <laughs> and then I waitressed for just under 10 years. And... 
at the time, my Spanish family were like, how can you do that? She's just a child. She's just a little girl. And my father was like, it's character building. You know, my dad's English. He's old English. He's born just after the Second World War. And, you know, at the time, I didn't really see it as a big deal. But what happened was that I built trust and confidence in myself as a really young age, you know? My father and my mother, they were never just like, you can have this money and go on holiday and do all of these things. It was like, if you want to go to that festival, then you've got to work. I remember I got my first job cleaning because I wanted to go to a festival in Norfolk called Latitude, you know? I really wanted to go. All my friends were going. Lots of my friends' parents were paying for them. My parents, and in Spain, you know, parents would pay. My, my dad was like, if you want to go, you need to create that money. And for some people that looked really harsh, but for me as a child, I learned that if I want something, I can create the money. And I actually believe that part of my conditioning, part of those experiences is what's led to my success so quickly. Because when I built a business, I was like, okay, I want to create this kind of money, just like I wanted to create this kind of money. I think it was 200 pounds as a kid to go to Latitude. It's the same. I want to have this mansion, okay? I've created money, less money, but the universe doesn't know the difference between less or more money. It's still money. And so all of that self-belief, right, was really developed at a very young age because my parents didn't smother me. And I'm very, very grateful for that. Now, I was in a situation where my mother was, my father got cancer when I was 15 and my mother got cancer when I was 19. And then she was uh, ill until she died when I was 26. So I fall more into rescuer because then my relationship with my mother changed. She became like my child. It was very unhealthy. It was very codependent. Um, and I learned that all of like, I was a good girl in my family because I rescued and I looked after mom and people were like, Hannah's amazing. All she does is look after and care for mom. And like, and, and I learned that that's who I was. I actually didn't know who I was outside of like being a full-time caregiver. It was quite a shock for me when my mom died because I was like, I don't even know who I am in the world anymore. Like I literally didn't know who I was in the world. And it was very disorientating around identity because I'd shut all of this stuff off, you know, those doors to selfishness. And I was like, I am here to serve, right? And so when I started my coaching business, that was really part of it. And I've had to do a lot of this work. I've had to do a lot of this work. Not any of my clients, not any of the people around me, I, Hannah Bartlett, have had to do a lot of this work, right? So the point being of that long tangent is that when we let people do it on their own, we empower them. Because we're saying, I believe in you and I trust in you and I have faith in you. And that's one of the most powerful things that we can do for another. Now, if someone's in victim, that can piss them off. Because they're like, I'm tough. But then that's the job of the victim to do the work in believing that they can and becoming a creator. It's not because you did anything wrong as a rescuer, right? And so this is why that piece around like other people's emotions aren't your responsibility is so paramount. It's so important. It's so essential. Because if every time someone has a reaction to something that you do, and then your behavior is manipulated, then you're going to be like a pinball in a pinball machine. 
I'm responsible for my feelings, the stories that I tell myself in my mind, my thoughts, my actions. I'm not responsible for anyone else's thoughts, feelings, actions. And so can you see how everything that we've done over these last two days is tying together? It's like, how can we have healthy relationships if we don't know everything we've just done in these two days? You've got no hope, you've got no foundation. We don't understand the dynamics of what's actually happening. Let's talk about perpetrator to challenger. So the perpetrator is dominating, right? The challenger, and lots of us have to activate challenger in us because we're scared to be this. Like the challenger challenges people instead of blaming or criticizing. As leaders, we have to be challengers. We have to be firm but fair. We have to be assertive but not punishing. Let me talk to you about that, right? I run a business. If I have a team member that doesn't do what they need to do for months on end and I'm paying them thousands, right? I can't just be like all like hmm, rescuey with them because I'm just literally bleeding money and, and nothing's changing. Now, a lot of people that get into leadership and business, they go into perpetrator and punishing energy. is like, how could you do that? This is what you do to the business. It's like, it's like, you've made me feel bad and feel this in yourself because we do this. You've made me feel bad. So I want you to feel bad. That's perpetrator energy. The challenger is not that. It's like, I'm assertive. I am clear. I have boundaries. I communicate. I challenge, but I don't need to make you smaller. I don't need to punish you. It's like power meets power and there's firmness. It's like, I see you as a creator and I'm holding you to a standard. Right? So you're clear in communication. You ask for what you need, but you're not punishing the other person. You address consequences of people's actions. We need to be able to do that, guys. We can't just like la, 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 around a field of flowers. Like in relationships, we have to talk about things. We have to have challenging conversations, especially in businesses. We have to be able to set boundaries. But this has to happen from a place of respect. And when we're not used to setting boundaries or addressing the consequences of people's actions, and we're not well-versed in it, just like, Bleh. and sometimes we could be very like, because we don't know how to do it differently. And that's kind of the process to getting here. But this is ultimately what we want to be working towards. When we're a challenger, we don't need to dominate. We're like, I am powerful and I'm firm and I see the power in you. The challenger it's okay to feel their feelings, right? The perpetrator is really like, there's so many feelings and it's all so much. And like, I don't know how to deal with this and I don't know how to process this. And I don't want to feel my weakness. And I did it. The challenger is like, no, I feel my weakness. My heart is open. Right. And I talked about this in a live. It's like open heart, thick skin. That's the challenger. Open heart, thick skin, open heart, thick skin, open heart, thick skin. And so if you're someone that tends to go into anger a lot, anger is the trademark of the perpetrator. It's like, what's making me react so strongly to this situation? Like ask yourself, what's making me react so strongly to this situation? And see if you can tap in with that before you respond. Because if we go into that from perpetrator energy, we're likely to say and do things that really like aren't actually in alignment to who we wanna be in the world, right? As a perpetrator, if there's a victim, instead of squish squashing them down so you feel better about yourself, it's about asking empowering questions like, what would happen if you challenge the belief that you can't? What would happen if you challenge the belief that do do do? It's still loving, guys. Remember, judge less, love more. Steve Honningson says this. 
I am that there is no one that is worth my judgment and everyone is worth my love. It's transformational. So this is how the authoritarian father, who is like, do this, do that, becomes the leader. This is how we create healthy, empowered, assertive mentors for ourselves and others, right? This is also how you become a great and supportive leader for yourself. And so, guys, I want you to recognize that this doesn't just happen in your businesses, but this happens in your minds. This happens in your minds, right? Where are you punishing and blaming and critical to yourself? Where are you poor meing in your mind? Sometimes the drama triangle isn't even playing out in our lives. It's playing out in our heads. And we're like all three people. We're like, poor me. And then we try to save ourselves. And then we're like, you're doing it wrong. Like, you know, and we flow between all three. But once we're aware of going into the perpetrator, going into the victim, going into the rescuer, we can start to change. The beautiful thing about the intensives, guys, if you've got now and we're recording these lives, but you've got the next month to study this. We've dropped a conscious relationships workbook in love and money for you guys. There's so many exercises that you can do around this, right? And you can really go into this and you can really understand this if you feel called to self-study in this. And also the beautiful thing is if you're in the school of IH, you've got a year to go through this, to go through these materials and there is absolutely no rush. But I wanted us to have this foundation of relationships, right? making all of this stuff unconscious, conscious. So what we're gonna do now is we know the journey from drama triangle to empowerment triangle. We know the journey of trigger and shadow to becoming bigger and wholer in that big mansion. We know the journey of changing our stories and our mind from yesterday. We did so much beautiful work. And now we've got context to ask ourselves, how can I actually navigate difficult conversations? And this is the real piece now. This is all of the theory that we've just had. We're now going to apply it. And so I'm going to give you guys a break. 